perhaps it was the first case of human trafficking that we have in the scriptures that poor Joseph was sold by his brothers, sold into slavery. Hi everyone, Gary Tester with Catholic Charities. And this is Father Anton with Catholic Charities. And joining us today is Christine Commerce, who's the coordinator of the Human Trafficking Task Force for the Diocese of Orlando. Good morning, Christine. Good morning. We're gathered here today to talk about the dignity of the worker and labor trafficking with particular attention to seafarers. And we'll talk about why that is so timely right now. But first, Father, how have you been? Oh, I have been well. You know, I, I feel like I've been at sea. <laughs> why is that? Wow, well, you know, I mean, we're going to be talking about seafarers. You're already excited. And all of this, you know, yeah, so. Oh, that's so really, great to hear. You know, so are we going on a cruise or something? No. No? I don't think so, but we're going to talk about what it might be like. So I just want you to imagine and be creative today. Okay, so please do not keep me at sea. Okay, it's a Nor deal. at bay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's start, um, as we always do, with prayer and reflection. So as always, we begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Loving Father, we seek your divine protection for all who are exploited and enslaved, for those forced into labor, trafficked into sexual slavery, and denied freedom. We beseech you to release them from their chains. Grant them protection, safety, and empowerment. Show us how we might end exploitation by addressing its causes. Help us reach out in support of victims and survivors of human trafficking. For this, we pray through our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. And our reading will be from the first book in the Bible, Genesis. Genesis chapter 37 beginning at verse 25, 23, sorry. So as soon as Joseph arrived, his brothers stripped him of his long sleeve coat that he wore and then took him and threw him in the well. Now the well was empty without water. They were sitting for a meal when they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead their camels laden with spices, balm, and myrrh, which they were taking down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What do we gain by killing our brother and hiding his blood? Come, we'll sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him, for he is our brother and our own flesh. His brothers agreed to this. So when the Midianite merchants came along, they pulled Joseph up and lifted him out of the well. For twenty pieces of silver, they sold Joseph to the Midianites, who took him with them to Egypt. When Reuben went back to the well, Joseph was no longer there. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and the commander of the guard. 
So I think that this reading fits in very well with the prayer that we used at the beginning. Because here we're seeing, perhaps it was the first case of human trafficking that we have in the scriptures. That poor Joseph, a young, young fellow, was sold by his brothers, sold into slavery, sold to others. Why? Two reasons. They hated him. And secondly, this was going to bring them some gain. And when we think of exploitation of persons, if they really and truly loved others, they would never exploit them because they would have recognized the inherent dignity of the human person. But nope, they hated. And out of their hatred, they were going to make some gain. So they sold him for 20 pieces of silver, which is very sad. And therefore, when we think of the kinds of trafficking around, those who are involved in it, so there are two parties, the exploited and the exploiter. Mm -hmm. The exploited are persons who will be truly sad, and the exploiters are making some gain. But yet, when we think of it, Jesus himself was exploited, and he was sold not for 20, but for 30 pieces of silver. And with Jesus going on that cross, that was the time that every human exploitation should have come to an end. And I believe that through Catholic charities, that is one of the things that we are trying to see. We want to present the exploited Jesus the one who brought an end to every kind of exploitation. And therefore today, as we look at the plight of seafarers in particular, then we can see and think about the ways in which we will put an end to exploitation of persons and get that out of our world forever. You are on fire. Oh, that's why I'm at the red microphone. <laughs> Point taken. Oh, okay. <laughs> so the backdrop, we've been talking in these Mercy in Action podcasts about Catholic social teaching. And Father, you touched on the dignity of each human life. And of course, that drives everything that we do. We recognize the dignity and sacredness of each human life from conception to natural death. One of the premises of Catholic social teaching, one of the tenets, is the dignity of the worker. Mm. And so it seems to me that as we talk about human trafficking and as we talk specifically about labor trafficking and today about seafarers, one of the things that occurs is we're now taking a very focused look at an issue that works very much diametrically against the dignity of the worker. Hmm. Christine, tell us about seafarers. Okay, so... Go, what's going on with the COVID right now and seafarers, they're very much stuck at sea because they haven't been able to come ashore because they have not been allowed to get their COVID vaccines. And so part of the campaign that we're working on with the 
U.S. Catholic Sisters Against Human Trafficking and the Catholic Coalition of Organizations Against Human Trafficking, uh, which we are a member of, is called the Seafarers Campaign. And with the Seafair campaign, we're advocating for um, these workers to be able to come ashore, to be considered essential workers, and so they can get their COVID vaccine to return to their families. So a seafarer is essentially someone who works on, a, on an ocean-going vessel? Correct. So they are responsible for bringing about 90% of our goods here to the United States. So our medicine, our food, our everyday products that we purchase on a regular basis. So many of us may remember back when COVID first hit and the shortage of toilet paper, right? And the scramble, there were empty shelves. Absolutely. Everyone wanted toilet paper and no one could get it. Right. And so we're starting to see those shortages in our supply chains. And just for example, um, my son just got his driver's license. And so I'm in the market of purchasing a new car and it's very hard to get a good deal on a new car right now because the parts, the supply chains for electronics, for cars, they can't get them. Part of that is tied in with what's happening with our seafarers. So what's happening is that the seafarers, their contract has expired. And so they're either stuck aboard these vessels doing work without being paid. And so that's a form of labor trafficking mm -hmm. or they're not doing any work and they're just sitting there out at sea and they can't return to their families. For some of these seafarers, they haven't seen their kids. Some of them have been born while they've been at sea. So they've been at sea about two years now. Basically, we're asking people to sign the petition to Walmart to sign the Neptune Declaration, which would establish these seafarers as an essential worker so they can get their COVID vaccine so we can do the crew change. So we've got also crew members who are on shore that are waiting to go to work to help support their families at the same time. So if we go back before the pandemic, because what Christine is sharing is the obvious impact of the pandemic on this very important line of labor that supports so much of the commerce in the United States. But I have a suspicion that pre-pandemic, perhaps life on a ship wasn't so grand then either. What do we know about the life of a seafarer before the pandemic? Right. So basically, a lot of the seafarers, the people that are bringing the products to our shores, they work very long hours. They're not always paid fair wages. They're often treated very poorly. We just recently did a panel discussion with one of the seafarers. His name was um, Shui Tung Ung. And you can actually Google his story on YouTube. It's called The Burmese Cowboy. He stood up for the seafarers' rights when he was working aboard a ship. Basically, he was threatened after that, so they held a gun to his head and they threatened him. And he was blackballed, he wasn't able to get a job, even he found threats from the government. So it's very dangerous for these seafarers to even speak up for their rights. And so that's where we come in as Catholics, to speak up for the rights of our brothers and sisters, because they often can't speak up for themselves. So to whom are we speaking? Because if we speak just among ourselves, you know, we're, we're not really reaching anybody. So to whom should our words be addressed? Right. So there's a number of ways that you can get involved. So one, of course, you can say prayers and we can say prayers within our parishes and we have some great resources. We actually have a whole toolkit that was provided from the Catholic Coalition of Organizations Against Human Trafficking 
that provided these prayer resources and you can contact me directly to get those um, if you're interested. So we can also share this information on social media. So I also have social media shareables. So you can make this issue more aware by posting on your Facebook or your Twitter or Instagram pages. And then on top of that, the number one thing that you can do is to ask Walmart, sign the petition to ask Walmart to sign the Neptune Declaration. And how you can do that is by going on the U.S. Catholic Sisters Against Human Trafficking website. And that website is sistersagainsttrafficking.org. And the reason why we're targeting Walmart is because they have an extraordinary opportunity to act upon this commitment by signing the Neptune Declaration. So there's over 800 companies that have already signed this declaration. And because Walmart's such a huge supplier and employs so many of these seafarers um, that bring our everyday products, they can play a crucial role in turning the tides for the seafarer in favor of the seafarer. So because Walmart has made great strides in labor rights for their workers, that's why we're trying to target them so that they can promote the designation of the seafarer as an essential worker so they can get their COVID vaccine and we can do those crew changes. And hopefully we can start getting some of our favorite products again. I mean, I, I heard on the radio the other day, even Starbucks has announced like you might show up at your and order your favorite Starbucks drink and you may not be able to get it. So it's going across the board on how this is impacting not only the seafarers, but us as well. And if we think about it, yes, you know, you may have to take some extra time out of your day. It takes two minutes really just to sign this petition. But if you just take the effort, if everyone took the effort, we're only about 200 signatures away from our 1000 signature goal. So if everyone just took that little bit of time, um, think about the difference it can make. It may cost us a couple minutes out of our day, but think about the price that the seafarers pay for our well-being. You know, it's really interesting um, as I just contemplate the conversation that's occurring. Just practically speaking, we're motivated by our wallets. Mm -hmm. You know, it's inconvenient not to be able, Christine points out what we experienced at the beginning of the pandemic now some 18 months ago how inconvenient it was to go to the store and not be able to buy toilet paper, not to be able to find it anywhere. They have to, and if you did find it, you had to buy extra to hoard it and not really paying attention to how it gets here. You know, and, and certainly not everything is produced overseas, but a lot of product we do rely on to come from overseas. And to understand that the critical way that most of those materials get to the United States is aboard ships. And I've never really paused to contemplate what it must be like to work on one of those ships. I mean, you see these massive cargo ships. Port Canaveral is a very large cargo hub, correct? Correct. It's been named the second largest hub in, in the world. So we have a very vested interest as part of the diocese um, with this issue. Yeah, because Port Canaveral is within the Diocese mm -hmm. of Orlando, and it's, it's a very large cruise port. It's a large cargo port. It's obviously tied to the space industry. There's uh, military functions at the port. The plight of seafarers, those who work at sea, under, I, I know it sounds silly, but, you know, some of us can't bear the thought of being out on a, on a boat uh, in rough water. Mm. Well, these seafarers, as Christine has pointed out, some of them have been out at sea now two years mm -hmm. and yes. in very difficult situations. Yep. Many of them, would I be correct, Christine, that many of them, even if they're fortunate enough to make it into port, they're not allowed off the ships because if I understand how maritime law works, 
and I would never profess to be an expert in maritime <laughs> law, but understanding the plight of seafarers, the captain has control of the ship. And the captain determines if you're allowed off the ship. It's not like we pulled in and all the kids jump out of the car. It's not like the ship pulls in and everybody jumps off the ship. You have to have permission to leave the ship, correct? That is correct. So, like I said, you know, some of them have been out there for two years. Many seafarers or even fishermen, for example, some of them don't come aboard or come ashore and are stuck aboard for as much as 12 years. And then you're talking about, in some of those cases, labor trafficking where they were tricked, maybe like Joseph, right, mm. by his brothers, and found themselves in a situation where they ended up in slavery, where they were maybe promised a certain job or a certain wage or certain rights mm. as a worker. And then once they get aboard these vessels, then they find that they're not promised, of course, that, that wage or those rights, and they're treated very poorly. And so recognizing that the way they suffer to bring our products and, and recognizing, looking at how we're purchasing our seafood plays a role in, in our everyday choices and, and looking at their plight. You know, so clearly, if they can't come ashore, it means that nobody from the shore can go to them. You know, um, how do we provide missionaries, so to speak, who can get out to yes. minister to these persons who are at sea. So there are some port chaplains at some of the ports and they will be allowed to go aboard the vessel. Some of these port chaplains, for example, the panel discussion that we did, we, we spoke with Father Sinclair, who's over in Texas and he's the port chaplain. And he talked about, you know, like many of us who are here ashore, right? We're suffering from COVID either mentally or physically um, in numerous ways and very much the same thing with the seafarers. So their mental health is really not good right now because they are stuck aboard these ships. And so Father Sinclair, like some of the other port chaplains who works through um, Stella Maris and um, some of the seafarer centers, they will bring them supplies. So that's another way that you can help is to contact Stella Maris and you can do that by donating toothbrushes or toiletries or slippers and just bringing some everyday items to these seafarers makes a big difference. And then these port chaplains are providing them some counseling and some prayer services and so forth as well. You know, one of the uh, intentions of Catholic Charities here in the Diocese of Orlando that we've not lost sight of, but certainly the pandemic has made things more difficult, is to reestablish a ministry for seafarers at the port. Uh, it was originally run by a couple of deacons uh, many years ago. And uh, as they aged and their health changed, they weren't able to sustain that ministry. There was a little task force that worked um, for about 18 months on trying to put together a relationship with the port that would allow us as a Catholic ministry to be present at the port. Our prayer will be that uh, as we hope to see brighter days, uh, it would be tremendously helpful to be able to revitalize the efforts to try and put that ministry back to the port because it would just be huge. And, you know, Christine, you mentioned as, as we begin to wrap up, you mentioned the Neptune Declaration. Folks aren't going to be familiar with what the Neptune Declaration is. Can you be more specific about what it's intended to do? Yeah, so without going into all the details, it's basically giving the seafarers promoting the seafarers' well-being and their rights 
to be considered designated essential workers so that they can get that COVID vaccine. Okay. That would allow them to come ashore. So we're talking about 400,000 seafarers that are at sea right now that need that designation. So I think oftentimes we become complacent when we hear about some of these issues that seem so distant, but you know, as Catholics, we have that duty and responsibility to speak up and, and take action for our brothers and sisters. And Benjamin Franklin once said that justice will not be served until those who are unaffected are as outraged as those who are. Well stated. Mm, yeah. Father, what are your thoughts about this as we as we prepare to wrap up? I was thinking, you know, what thinking of the, the Neptune Declaration. I was actually thinking about a certain seafarer by the name of Jonah. And Jonah was thrown off his ship I remember into the, story. the sea. Mm-hmm. But yet, at the same time, what happened is that God provided something to save him, mm-hmm. this great fish. You know, because I think that every person is made for a reason. So being made in the image of God, they need to be respected and, and given the dignity that is that is theirs. And, and therefore, we have the concern for the ones who are out at sea, but we should make sure that we find a way of reaching out to them and we should not stop until we get this done. So let's do this then. Let's encourage those who might listen to this podcast to take action in a couple of different ways. Number one is to do the very practical that mm-hmm. Christine has suggested and to sign. encourage Walmart to sign <clears throat> the Neptune Declaration and to, to make their voice heard. Mm-hmm. Number two is to pray for seafarers that they can benefit from this Neptune Declaration and be freed, if you will, within the constraints of, of their employee, to be freed to receive the vaccine and be declared essential workers. And to, for those who are on ship to get off ship and for those who are waiting to get on to work uh, for that transition to occur. I think we can also encourage folks to pray for the establishment of that ministry here in the Diocese mm-hmm. of Orlando, that mercy and action that we would like to see taking place at Port Canaveral praying that opportunity to do that might come soon. And then just constant prayer for those families that are affected by the plight of the seafarers. Mm -hmm. Um, Because each of those seafarers, as Christine has pointed out, are tied to a family. And the reason they're on the ship isn't because they love to be at sea. It's because it's a way to get uh, funds for their families back home. Mm -hmm. And so we need to pray for them as well. Most definitely. Well, Father, would you close us with a well, prayer? Well, actually, so so while we're talking, I was searching on my phone. It's a good thing we we weren't being televised, you know. <laughs> and and because of my my little British connection, you know, um, things would come back to me. And there is the Navy hymn, you know, from from England, sure. which is this hymn, "Eternal Father, Strong to Save," and and persons who were who watched Prince Philip's funeral mm-hmm. would have heard that song that being played. So I want to use part of it as our closing prayer. Great. Eternal Father, strong to save, whose arm hath bound the restless wave, who bids the mighty ocean deep 
its own appointed limits keep. O hear us when we cry to thee for those in peril on the sea. O Christ, whose voice the waters heard and hushed their raging at thy word, who walks on the foaming deep and calm amidst its rage did sleep. O hear us when we pray to thee for those in peril on the sea. Most Holy Spirit, who didst brood upon the chaos dark and rude, and bid its angry tumult cease, and give for wild confusion peace. O hear us when we pray to thee for those in peril on the sea. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Christine, for being with us again. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Father, great to see you. Always. And Christine, come again. <laughs> Take care, everyone. Yeah.